happy final few days of 2017. I tend to get a little bit like I didn't do enough, but I challenge you to find your favorite moments of 2017, talk with your friends or your family or your loved ones, give your highs and lows, and just really appreciate because life is short. I went to Boston, I'm in Missouri, and I just feel so filled up. I turned 29, so it's been a good week, and I'm grateful for what is to come in 2018. I have a really great discount right now. So I just have to say this because a lot of people still don't know that I offer this. I offer these six week strength training programs. You can do them at home. You can do them in a gym. You can do them with your MPAC. They're awesome and different versions. I just love it because I'm such a big advocate of strength training. And now I finally have a way to give you strength training, but also a Facebook group, a Facebook community. You can post your videos, post your form and just get really dialed in with a set program, which is ultimately how I have seen the most change with myself and with my clients. So huge believer in it. And you can get it with a free challenge, 50% off and free challenge. So please get this offer. If you're interested in a program and a meal plan and a, any sort of 2018, I'm going to crush it. This is it. So do the all caps code. Let's go 2018 on my website, emilyshram.com. After you purchase the strength program, you get the code access to the 21 day MFIT challenge, which starts January 2nd. So really excited about it because that's what I'm working on right now. I have some projects. Well, besides the January 2nd, the body awareness project and so many great things for 2018 for you guys. And of course, some amazing podcasters and podcast guests, really great people for 2018 and our final guest for 2017 Amanda Upson, she basically is someone that I, you know, you'll hear it in the story, but just someone that was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm going to make a movie. I'm going to be a lawyer turned filmmaker and I'm going to figure it out. And so she's just always been figuring it out and she does it so well and with grace. And I have such a fun time being around her, but she's also such a, you know, a powerhouse anytime I need anything or need to be connected, or if I'm struggling with something, she's that person I go to. And we get to talk about, you know, the transition and how somebody that's always on the go can calm down. Also just some fun stuff about the energy work that I did in Denver with all the chakras. i made a post on Instagram about this crazy experience of getting grounded in this four hour process. And I tell her about that. We talk about scuba diving We talk about our film, of course, and then we also talk about this really awesome women entrepreneur investing group that I have gotten a part of. It's called CEO of 2017. It's just been a great, a great thing that I did, and I'm really happy I did it, and I'll be involved until forever. So I hope you guys enjoy a good conversation with my dear friend, Amanda Upson. Happiest of holidays and happy new year. (laughs) I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Emily's just offered me coffee (laughs) and I'm trying to resist. Uh, I, because I knew I was coming on this, uh, I've been trying to go down from three cups of coffee a day to two because I, I don't even know what adrenal fatigue is, but I suspect you're going to diagnose me with it. And so I'm like, I'm not dependent on coffee. I'm going to go down uh, to two cups, but here you are offering me another. I don't, can you do decaf? No, no. I, I mean, you can't. Because it's not as good. It's not as good. And also, the way decaf is processed, you have to ask, how do you make this decaf? Because a lot of times... I thought it was decaf chemicals. coffee beans from the decaf coffee tree. The decaf tree. <laughs> <laughs> the ones on the left are caffeinated. The ones on the right are sad. Yeah. <laughs> These are from the trees that couldn't quite cut. These are the JV trees. Well, and it's interesting because most people don't realize that Espresso has way less caffeine than a cup of coffee. So, but it depends on how many, you know, espresso shots you do. So for me to equate one cup of coffee, it's about three espresso shots. 
give or take. Okay. Maybe two to three, depending on the coffee. But, uh, yeah, this, this espresso machine that I have has not helped my caffeine addiction at all. It's pretty. It would look great in my house, too. Yeah, it's a really pretty. Yeah. And it was an anniversary present. I know. I got lucky. That's really nice. I know. <laughs> Thanks, Bradford. And how, yeah, right. And how, and so how is, what's your coffee limit a day or your caffeine? That's a good that? question. So if I, I go, my caffeine intake changes based on my energy levels. So what I find is if I'm waking up really groggy, that's when I probably don't need the caffeine. Even though I'll have a little bit of coffee, I know that I'm not going to have more caffeine later on in the day because I'm going through some cycles of up and down. Ultimately, adrenal issues are just cortisol issues. So the hormone that you have when you're stressed, we just overproduce it. I and think I produce that all the time. I know. Super crazy amounts. Well, you are such a... I mean, Amanda Upson, I don't even know total title entrepreneur, so almost social entrepreneur, lawyer, filmmaker, nonprofit starter, investor in women startup companies. Oh shoot. What else? Mom. Mom. Yep. Crossfitter. Crossfitter. Cross, yes. cross trying to be a crossfitter. Yep. You're yeah. a crossfitter. <laughs> which is how we met. Yeah. And I love it because when you were there when I first started Unleash Fitness, and I remember coming to your house and being, you're like, well, just think big picture. Like, where do you want to take this? And you really helped me just kind of visualize if I start a business, this is ultimately where I want to go. Because if not, then it's just go, 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 which right. sometimes it turns into. But I need, really I need you to have that talk with me again and give my words back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it crazy? So I would love just... I don't think I even know your full backstory of when you decided being a lawyer, you just didn't want it to be your, your full-time thing anymore. Well, I had, I had a little bit of a path to get into law. I'd been in HR before. And when I went to law school, I knew I wanted to do employment defense uh, or employment law. And then I fell into employment defense and that's fine. And it's great practice area, but um, it, it does not really fill this creative need that I have. And I was working at a traditional firm and it just wasn't the most awesome fit. And there were a lot of reasons why, but I was sort of looking for something else uh, to do. And I wasn't, I've always sort of had these side jobs and side hustles where I've worked with people. And one of the things that I've regularly done is worked with uh, businesses that look like small creative based businesses to sort of help them get their stuff together and figure out how they could monetize or, you know, figure out how to put the process in place so that their business can be successful. And I really enjoyed that kind of work. So I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I just knew that the traditional law firm wasn't it. So I, I sat down and I wrote, wrote down what I wanted to do. Uh, cause I don't like to think about what I don't want to do. <laughs> and so I identified, I wanted to work with kind, brilliant people on a project from start to finish. That's what I wrote down. Uh, and I went, uh, I wasn't quite sure what that meant. I thought I'd be going in-house at a startup or that I would maybe even be looking at a government job or nonprofit job, but still traditional lawyering. And then I, this producing thing kept coming up. My husband suggested it. I instigated a big fight because I thought that was useless. I was so mad. Why would you suggest such a thing? I can't. He said, well, it's your skill set. To produce a movie. To, to, to be a producer, to do that kind of function. I don't even know what a producer does. I don't even know how he knew to say that. It was the most well, random. Just, people in your life know this, probably more than you do, but just in case you need a reminder, when people ask who you are or if I need a connection or if I can't think of something, you're always my go-to. You're my you're my <laughs> reference for just you're a connector. You're a problem solver, and so it makes sense. I mean, you just have you have a lot of just gift. I don't know. You're gifted in the sense that you know how to fix things and bring people together. I think. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I guess that's that's sort of what a producer is, and I've always been good at solving problems and figuring out how to unravel them and bite off the itty bitty bits 
you know, until I could work my way to fixing the solution. And so my husband said, that's what I should do. And I said, that's a terrible idea. You know, (laughs) don't talk to me until you can really come up with a helpful solution. Uh, I've apologized. It was, it was terrible. And then I always try and remember the second one. I can't remember the second one, but by the time my current business partner uh, came around and suggested this producer thing, it had been three times that this producer had come up. And Kevin, who's the director of the movie and also my business partner, said, hey, I think you'd be really good at this. And I said, no, 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 I can't possibly help you with this. I don't know this industry. I don't have any contacts. Um, I would have no idea how to do this. And he sent me a book, what a producer does. And I read the book and I was like, oh yeah, I do do that. (laughs) I could do this. I could do that. And then I just started doing research for a couple months. And then I went to AFM in LA to go to the conferences at American film Film. market. It's one of the big markets. Uh, It's the one in the U S where you buy and sell movies Hmm. and they have an educational component. That's a conference or seminar series. And so I went to that and I thought, okay, it's not rocket science and I can do this. Are you so glad you did? Oh yeah. A thousand percent. I always say my worst day as a film producer is better than my best day practicing law. It's just, it's, it's fun and it's a different problem each day. And I just try and remind myself when I get bogged down in it, that it really is fun. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Do you feel for you that transition did it take you a while? I always work with people or talk to people about imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. I totally... I I produced a movie. I, my first movie, it's called Magnum Opus. I produced it. Uh, we, you know, with the help of a, a great team and a wonderful video village, uh, we made this movie and I had something good to go out and sell and we got worldwide uh, distribution. And despite doing all of that... Uh, I sit down sometimes and I think, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a producer yet because I haven't done five movies or I haven't done 10 movies. And then I shut up that voice in my head because that voice is always going to tell me, oh, you're not a real producer until you've done whatever the thing you haven't done is. And then I'll do it and it'll come up with something else. So, I mean, I'm constantly telling that voice to shut the hell up. You have to, right? Yeah. And it's so cool because Magnum, it's op- it, Magnum Opus is in Amazon. It's on, it's streaming on, um, we just told iTunes, iTunes, Google Play, Play. Amazon, Hulu, Vudu. That's incredible. Fandango. And what's kind of the synopsis of the movie? Uh, It's about a desert storm vet. It pits desert storm vet against U.S. intelligence. U.S. intelligence shows up to confront uh, this desert storm vet and, uh, he, he reveals some secrets and then that thrusts off all the characters into uh, a hellish journey of spies, betrayal, and government retribution. Oh my God. I can't wait. It's, uh, it's a prescient film because when Scott Stoddard, the scriptwriter, wrote it, he was concerned about a lot of things uh, that we're now seeing the movie talks about lying to win an election. Uh, there's talk about uh, some illegal detainment, which is... You know, I just read on a lawfare blog today, we, we have some people that have been illegally detained and ACLU can't file habeas actions on their behalf because they don't even know who it is. I'll stop because I'm getting, I can get, jump down the, the, the boring legal uh, policy stuff very quickly. But uh, all of this stuff that is sort of going on in our government right now, you know, we cover it in the movie and it's a starting off point for discussion. We want people to be talking to each other about things. Mm-hmm. That's why we made it. We made something. We wanted something that was commercially viable. So there it is. That's awesome. That's <laughs> so legit that you just were like, I'm going to produce a movie. Even though I know it took some coaxing, but that's just awesome. Because anyone, I think, who's transition in transition stage of like, I want to do something more. And I want to talk about the creative side of you, knowing you always had it. Is it something that... Uh, I think for both of us, we have this, we don't know how to slow down because our creative oh, side yeah. is, it overwhelms our brain. Yes. And for you, scuba diving is your way to check out, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, 
a hundred percent checked out. It, I think I need water to check out. And if I'm around a big body of water, you can do I it. can check out. So for me, being in the water, diving, uh, being on a paddleboard, what's your swimming? What's your horoscope? What's my horoscope? Uh, Sagittarius. You are. When's your birthday? November twenty fifth. Yeah, I just happy had it. birthday. Thank you. <laughs> oh yeah, I did. I think I saw the yes. Yeah. And we also just turned friends on Facebook five years. Oh my gosh. Did you see that? No, I didn't. It didn't tell. Well, I don't know if it told me that or not, but I didn't. I think remember I just it. saw that pop up. That's uh, funny. So anyway, happy birthday. Thank you. Um, I'm almost a Sagittarius. Yeah, I was going to say, aren't I'm you? A cusp. Yeah. yeah. So I'm mostly Sagittarius, just based on my own perceptions of traits, but I do have that Capricorn kind of side to it. So Capricorns are like the stubborn. Uh, I Sagittarius were stubborn. Pretty stubborn too. <laughs> yes. So a little bit more like Capricorns, I think of them as goats, mountain goats, like straight up the hill. So you're kind of like just very determined. This is what I have to do and I'm going to do it, which I think you have those traits as well. So, well, for my first scuba diving experience, did I ever tell you this? No. I was in Kauai with the crew from CrossFit Poipu, so Aaron. Oh, nice. And they're the ones who do the ultimate Hawaiian trail run. I was, I had never done it before, and he put on this old metal suit pack from like 1950s. I felt like I was in some old movie. The back plate? Back plate, and then it was just probably the most dangerous thing I've ever done because the the flippers were too big. So we had to stuff my socks into them in order okay. to get them to fit. And while we're at the bottom, which I finally learned how to like not freak out. It's incredible. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever done. Saw a turtle, touched a turtle, had a magical experience with the turtle. And then somebody <laughs> who was scuba diving around us uh-huh. tapped on the shoulder and we, one of my socks fell out of the flipper. <laughs> it's like, so sorry about that. This is like jankety scuba diving, but I would really love to do it for real. Any, any time. And we can, we can get you some fins that fit and we can put you in a nice, uh, nice BC, get yep. you a good regulator. Yep. You feel really, Safe. really good. Yeah. How did you get into scuba diving? Oh man. I mean, I think how I... I don't know how I got into it. It, The the opportunity came up. My brother-in-law got certified and he wanted my husband and I to get certified. And so we said we would do it, but I was in the pool. I mean, I had to take extra pool classes because I was so bad at it. And that's sort of like the story of my life, the remedial, like, just keep trying, just keep trying to scuba dive, just keep trying to crossfit. What were you bad at? Was it like breathing in the water? no, I was okay with breathing, but the taking taking the mask off. Mm. I think it's the whole, like, not being, I don't know that I have control issues, but, you know, taking, yeah. I do. <laughs> I might, just a little bit. Uh, taking the mask off and having water go in my face was really hard. Mm-hmm. And also, I've gotten over it a lot with kids, but I have, uh, I have some germ issues, so I don't want to take somebody else's regulator or... I, I don't know. I think I was just generally problematic and I was going to stop. And the instructor was like, no, no, just we'll, we'll do some more pool work. We'll do some more pool work. Uh, and so I did it. And then we went down to came in and got certified, uh, with this guy, Nat Rob at in-depth water sports who were since have become friends with, and we've been friends with him for years and years. And we love diving, uh, with him, but he, I mean, I think he assessed me correctly right off the bat. He was like, oh, man, this woman, she just needs to chill out. You know, <laughs> He's, we was going to do the pool work. I was like, no, or the skills that you have to do to get certified. You, I just have to take off your mask and you have to take your reg out. You have to demonstrate buoyancy. I mean, not hard skills. Um, but I went down to do them and I was like, no, no, I can't do them. And I came back up and I was like, this is it. We're we're done. Uh and was gonna, and he was like, no, no, come on, let's just, let's go look at the fishies. And then you can decide. I was like, all right, I'm here. I might as well look. And it was a uh, turtle reef and came in and we looked and there's a big school of tarpon there, which are sort of the, I just love to see a huge school of tarpon. And uh, we came back and he asked me, do you, do you want to do it now? And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm in. Oh, yeah. You, you did it. And so that was 2002. Oh, wow. So you've been diving for that We've long. We've been 
diving since then as much as I can. Do you do anything else when you're not in water to help with balance? I get this question a lot, like many times, how do you manage your life? And I think you have just as many things on your plate, if not more than I do. How do you feel, you know, if we're not doing those trips or in the water mentally day to day, what are some ways that you help kind of balance? How do I cope? (laughs) How do we cope? Yeah. I would love to know. Uh, Well, for me, for a long time, it was running. Mm -hmm. And then it was running and CrossFit. And now it's CrossFit weightlifting. I mean, I think I learned, and even before I was running heavy mileage, I was always, I've always gone to the gym or done something. So if I'm pretty crabby, if I don't get at least an hour of really hardcore exercise, I think that just keeps the crazy away. Yeah. It does. Yeah. (laughs) And then it's hard. Do you do any non-high intensity coping mechanisms? Like, um, I'm trying to learn from you. Oh man. I, you know what? I, I need to, but I don't sit still very well. Yeah. I tried yoga. Yoga's really hard. (laughs) Yoga's really, and plus I have the hearing issue, so I can't, I, if I'm not familiar with what I'm supposed to be doing and you can't be in the position and also trying to look at someone. So I'm just so unfamiliar that that's not good, but also I'm bad. Have you always had still? Yeah, apparently. I don't know. It was just undiagnosed. Because I didn't know it when I first met you, right? I didn't either, but I couldn't hear it all at um, at that gym. Ah. It was so hard for me to hear. And I think the acoustics were just that really bad sense. in there that it was bad. It was a lot, e- it's a lot easier outside. Yeah, yeah. When we were outside, but inside I couldn't hear. The echo maybe picks something. Yeah. Or loses some vibration. Yeah. Or so I think what happened is I've always had hearing some degree of severe to profound hearing loss in one ear and then my other ear just started deteriorating or however yeah. maybe it's age related <laughs> I don't I don't know but it's um yeah anyway so yoga's hard I need I don't know I know same I that's think, why we have to be smart with our coffee intake right that's yeah try not to do which pre-workouts I don't know if we do those but those can be just as bad I Having coffee before a workout? Or pre, doing pre-workouts, like pre-workout. Um, sometimes my tendency, if I'm really low energy, I'll do one of those pre-workouts from Equip, like actual pre-workout, kind of like a What powder. are you talking about? So you know post-workout, like a protein shake. Oh, a shake. But it's like... Oh, I thought really you were shake. talking about doing a workout before the workout. No. I'm like, no, no, no. Once you hit 40, you just do one workout. <laughs> I can't even believe it's your age. You look incredible. You're yeah. such a powerhouse. So, okay, all these things that are in your life and projects that you've gone through, I can expect that there is probably a lot of no's in your life. Um, oh, everything. Especially from the opposite gender and the world that you're in. And I would love to just hear kind of your, uh, you know, leading into Shio, which I really want to talk about, kind of your stance on pushing through things and boundaries that are hard to push through and some of the no's that you've gotten and how you've dealt with that. Well, I think, you know, I've, I grew up below the poverty line, uh, and in a situation where I was, I was sort of always a little bit of an outsider. Um, and so I've just always, you know, and I, I think I always seem, I don't know. I grew up in the South. I, I'm still culturally Southern in some respects, but a lot of ways not, which is problematic for people. And I always thought, uh, I always questioned stuff. And so to, to not fall in line in church or to ask a lot of questions, it would just, you know, m- made people mad at me or frustrated with me. And so I've always sort of experienced that. And it just doesn't bother me that much because I was always sort of used to people being upset at what I was asking or what I was trying to do. And, um, you know, and then I went to law school and it's sort of an occupational hazard to be oppositional. I'm not oppositional, you know, to get people angry. But if you're, cons- if you're, if you're trained to be in a situation where your job is, is to represent somebody 
in an adversarial setting, you just have some degree of comfort with it. And to me, I mean, sometimes it feels a little heavy to get, you know, like no, to not get the email response or to keep reaching out to people and not get a response or to uh, keep sending out proposals or pitches and not get a response. Um, and sometimes that does weigh on me, but mostly I think it's, it's not personal, right? It's not, it's not me. It's just the project isn't right for that company or the time isn't right for that company or the person doesn't have time for me. And I just try and remind myself of that um, and try not to beat myself up too much. And then always I do, sort of do a gut check, like, wait, are you, are you too annoying? Uh, sometimes. I mean, <laughs> maybe you're I try. On, you're so on top of it. I love it. I, I try not to be, but, you know, I always sort of go back. And a lot of times, I mean, I just had... I had this instance in August, the beginning of August, where I was feeling this, I didn't have as much momentum and more things were sort of pushing up against me and I was just hitting a bunch of walls and I, and I hadn't gotten responses from stuff. And I went back and read my emails and I thought, okay, is my, is my tone too much? Am I, what's going on here? What can I do and change? And then I went through it and I'm like, no, you know, I think it's, it's professional, I don't think I was out of line. I think I'm all right. And then literally that afternoon, I got an email back from this woman producer who produced the Game of Thrones in response in response to a blind email that I had sent her saying, hey, I have some questions about producing. Would you be willing to talk to me? And she wrote back a lovely email and said, sure. And so she talked to me on the phone for about an hour. We scheduled a time. And so it it seemed I just try and keep myself patient from getting too far down in the hole because if I sort of wait it out, there's always something like that that pulls me back up. And then I can remind myself, okay, people don't have time. Everybody's busy. The project's not right for them. That's the way it is. But yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> I think that's good for me because I also, sometimes it's not even that sometimes I'm like, maybe it's my project that's not quite ready for it, you know? And I think we're always like, when you first start a project or a company or whatever it is that you're starting or you're envisioning, a lot of times the things that have said no to me, I know if they would have said yes, I wouldn't have been a hundred percent able to give them a hundred percent of me. So yeah. I always feel like the timing works out the way it's supposed to. But I like that you're reflective in that and you like read through you're assertive, but also like sensitive enough to know and be able to like a lot of people that have your kind of demeanor and commanding presence are also humble enough to look through emails and check tone. So I think that's a really good yeah. Well, you you trait. you have to be self aware. I mean, I don't I don't want to go around being an asshole to people. <laughs> I and I'm I like people and I enjoy them and my you know I teach my kids and my goal is to always be kind and to try and think about the other person's perspective. Um, but you, I mean, I know, I know that about myself. I, I mean, I think my life is summed up as help other people, like do as much good for as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're never quite sure if you wrote that email when you were in a bad, <laughs> in a bad mood. So it's good to just go and double check. And, you know, thankfully I've never done that and found something that was, that was um, not appropriate, but I'll check. I mean, I like that. Well, I would like to talk about Shio because you oh, introduced yeah. me to Shio. Yes. And you had been saying it a few times and I'm like, I probably was the last one to sign up for this year. You said it to me last year and I just, I don't remember what it was. I think I missed out on the voting. And I didn't understand it, but Shio supporting radical generosity. Yeah. So women supporting women and instead of just doing big bulk investment funding they use other women entrepreneurs to support five businesses right. every single year and the process that i'm understanding it's just incredible because vicky saunders yep. is the uh creator or founder and she just kind of i just read a, the article in forbes that she was in yep. just fed up with women they're a little bit less of the risk taker and also the process of getting capital for startups and 
created this and it's turned into something incredible. Right. So I would love to know yeah. your take on it and just why you are so passionate about not just startups, but especially women in startups. Yeah, I think, it, well, I think Vicki Saunders is doing God's work. I mean, it's, she, she is offering up a new paradigm for growing businesses, which I think is good because right now we have an economic model that has resulted in, I think, five people having the same wealth as the rest of the world, uh, which is, which is sort of crazy. And that fact might be off a little bit. You can look at CEO website and see, but the, um, you know, the, the current system is this winner take all, which doesn't appear. I mean, I look around and I think a lot of our systems and institutions are broken. So we might be doing it wrong. Um, and if we do it differently, what does that look like? And personally, my experience has been if, you know, when I look at people in leadership, whether it's our government or business or, you know, even nonprofit sector, honestly, uh, it's majority male. And, you know, I, I know issues, some of the issues in business and some of the issues in government. And I can't help but thinking that it might be a little bit different if we had uh, parity and if we had more diversity of leadership, um, not just men and women, but people with all different backgrounds. And so I think CEO sets up a possible solution for how to solve this. And what it does is it aggregates money that is just donated. It's not an investment because you don't get a typical return on investment. Although I would argue that I've gotten as much, if not more out of that uh, money that I gave. Mm -hmm. Um, But it aggregates uh, $1,100 that you put in um, and it takes all of that money and it saves a little bit for programs so that they can recreate and have money to run this. But uh, takes $1,000 from each person, aggregates it, and then invests it in five women business, five women-led businesses. And these, you know, last year, one of the great ones is Callisto. I just, I just Googled so I could list these all off. Yeah. Um, so it, it's... It's sort of these amazing products well, that tell wouldn't me about Callisto. I don't know about wouldn't necessarily. Well, the woman who founded Callisto is in a better position to tell you about it. But basically, what it does is it ta- it it uses data science to assist with rape and assault reporting. And so, one of the problems is, is that there's this first woman to come forward. Anybody who is the first to step forward, it's always harder. And so, uh, Callisto uses a database function so that people can record the facts associated with the assault um, and it's recorded and time-stamped. They can go back and use that later if they want to report it to law enforcement or to their university. But the other thing it does is that it retains that information and if somebody else reports against the same uh, person. person, then that's in the database. And so they know, and then suddenly there's not just one person to come forward, there's two. And so it opens up this path of eliminating the need for one woman to need to stand up and fight everything, you know, people not believing her, uh, having to go through the the terrible system that we have in place for criminal investigations. Um, And it also allows the universities or investing or buying it now and using it allows universities to look and see what the uh, uh, pressure points are, what the hotspots are within the university. And they can see if there's one institution that's getting a lot of reports, they know they can go in there and do work to stop that. And I mean, I think this is not something that would traditionally get funding in the model that we have. Yeah. Jessica Ladd. Is the CEO Jessica Jessica Ladd? Jessica God Ladd. bless her, Callisto. That's amazing. And then other ones, just as I'm, so I pick the type. It's a voting process. So if right. you guys want to check it out, go to sheeo.com and you dot can, world, right? Dot oh dot world. Yeah, yeah. but it came up when I went dot com. I oh, think. it did. So maybe Good. I just Google Sheo. Maybe that's how I found it. And I went to top five ventures of 2016. And then we're in a voting process to pick top five of this year. Right. And I'm just, I think it's just so cool. The meetup, are you going to the San Francisco meetup? I'm, I have it on my calendar. I'm hoping to. Me too. Same. Keep me posted. Yeah. It's, um, 
it is, it's fun to meet all of these people with different businesses and, you know, you can learn from their experiences and learn from what they've put in place uh, with their business. And then it just gives you a chance to get behind these women-led ventures. And the other thing is that the women-led ventures, uh, they get this money is not a gift. It's a no interest loan. Mm -hmm. And then they pay it back. But all of these companies are superstars. So they end up having this record growth. Mm -hmm. They repay the money. The money goes back into the fund. The fund can go out to more women companies. So it's this perpetual fund that's investing in women-led businesses, which I think is the fastest way to improve everything for everybody. I love it. Yeah. And it's cool too, because they don't just divide. This is just the fun fact that I learned on the activator call. The five people that they pick, they go on a retreat and then they, they talk about how to divide it and it can't all be even. And they have to figure out kind of like that process, which I think is important because each each business venture is going to have different needs and it's just not a cookie cutter model. It's just so great. Right. And I think it's, yeah. I'm I'm really glad that you got me in on this. Yay. (laughs) Because (laughs) my persisting, my, my email missives. Hey, I knew I was going to do it. It just was the last, I was the last person to do it. (laughs) Uh, The Facebook um, market or the way that they set up their kind of communication has been, like you said, it's really helpful to see other people and no one really in my industry, but a lot of people doing big things, angel investor, just it's incredible. So put into perspective what is out there and how much this is needed for sure. Do you, what are the frustrations that you see that outside of this kind of model for people who maybe can't invest in something like this? I know this is a good question for you. How can we individually help break this kind of cycle of um, the model that's not working? The one that kind of gives capital to the people that, can showboat or that don't necessarily can impact the most change, but they have all the boxes checked and it's just easy. Well, I think, I mean, one of the, one of the things I try and do is be cognizant with my buying decisions. And so it's something like women make 80% of the buying decisions. And, uh, one of the things Vicky says is we, we could literally change the world overnight. Um, just because of our buying power. So being aware of every time you make a purchase, that's power. I mean, even if you feel like you don't have any because you're not a partner at a firm, you're just starting out or you're just getting out of college or you're still in college, every time you buy something, that's sort of a vote of confidence where you want to spend your money. So, you know, if you're going to a locally owned coffee shop, I think you're maybe making a little bit more impact than if you're going to a bigger one, although there are some bigger ones that treat employees better than others. So I try and keep those things in mind. Um, you know, trying to buy, I buy a lot of holiday gifts from CEO companies or companies that I know that are women led businesses or minority led businesses or small businesses and locally owned. And it's, I mean, you can't, I don't think you can make every decision that way because you want to get a Samsung refrigerator from time to time, or you need to, you know, go to whatever big box thing because that's easier for your life to shop at Walmart or it's easier in your pocketbook. But if you try and make those sort of cognizant decisions when you make purchases that, uh, that impacts and then, you know, sort of not throwing away your power. I think everybody in any in any position. I mean, if you're a kid in school, you can go up, you can go and sit with the kid who's by him or herself. Yeah. I mean, that's still, uh, it, it changes things because right then you're affecting the environment and you're having a more inclusive environment. And if you're in college or if you're in the workplace, you can, you know, not just get resumes from your friends, but you can go out and try and search for people who might not know about your organization. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You can't be a hundred percent perfect all the time, but there are a lot of opportunities to make good decisions. One thing I picked up from you is, uh, the, as soon as I find something, I share it with everyone I know. And you're really good at that. Like whether, 
you know, Yelp, I have mixed feelings on, but it still is an effective tool for a lot of businesses. So trying to five-star Yelp, if I really love the company or just trying to like, this is something I love, go see this. Yeah. Whether it's a practitioner or a... I went to a crazy voodoo witch doctor. Wait, last I think week. I want to. I want to. But you said that, and now I want to go there. Right? I because. can tell you about it. It was insane, Amanda. I'm so. Um, it's Whispering Empress in Lakewood, and I, you know, they emailed me. Full disclosure, their daughter emailed me and said, "You know, do you want to do spa day?" And I instantly, when I see these emails kind of come through, I have to pick and choose. Right, and I'm right. like, I have no desire to do spa right. day. Right, because who can sit still for spa yes. day? So then I dug into the, what they offered, and they had things like quantum healing and bars and a meditation. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, I don't even know. What that so is. I just read the descriptions, and it was enough about chakras and enough about energy. That was nothing like spa day in my head. Mm -hmm. I was like, I have to check this out. So I went, (laughs) I don't know. I went and I was just kind of like, here we go. Let's just see. And it was four hours. So I did bars and then quantum healing. What are bars? Bars is where it's kind of like everyone keeps trying to associate it with Reiki and it's similar to Reiki. She basically finds where energy stuck. Oh, I have energy stuck. Yep. And it, you could feel it. And she basically even takes this this pendulum, you know, those things that spin yeah. around different. So at my feet, she saw my feminine. She's like, oh, your feminine energy is great. I'm like, well, I know that. The masculine energy, it whooped around. So she's like, well, we got to work on that, whatever that means. And then my root chakra was stagnant. It wouldn't move. What is that? So root chakra is like down here by uh, sacrum. And it's just like you basically... It's your groundingness. Like, how do you feel in this world? Do you feel like you are rooted? No matter what happens to you, you're okay. Oh, yeah. mine. That's, for me, it will be fine. Yeah. And usually mine is fine. But it wasn't even moving. It wasn't even doing anything. And I have, you know, there was definitely some things that had happened that week uh-huh. that I knew that that would be an issue. And then my throat chakra, right here where your throat is, which usually I feel, you know when energy gets stuck in you and you can just like, you feel unsettled about something? Yeah. That's usually where it is. Always. I always feel it here. And it was going, instead of turning, it was just going side to side, like a, you know, teeter-totter kind of uh-huh. thing. So I knew that there's something there. And then my, <laughs> this is funny, my third eye, which is my spirituality, was completely off. So she was like, we have a lot of work to do, which I knew going in. That's why I was there. And so starting off with just Reiki kind of hands-on, you can feel energy almost heat. So it's not, her hands aren't even really hot. It's just, you start to feel places in your body and you have to breathe it out. Like, like, I feel like I was having a baby at some point. It's like, just like, get this out I've of had me. Reiki done once. And it's similar. Just yeah. like, and it. There was one point where I it hurt so bad in the back of my head, and it was, I swear to God, it was like my third eye was turning, like I had to get back into the spirituality, because we're brains, our brains are creative, we're business oriented, and it's also really hard to tie that into spirituality, and also like, think about big picture universe, yeah. and then also be pragmatic, right. and get shit done, right, right. and I, I think I constantly go back and forth from it, and so... I think it's an incredible, I got it for all my employees. I was like, everyone's going to this. Yeah. <laughs> you all have to go see this witch. Cause I think, she, I only say that cause I, witch to me is like a positive thing because I think. Have you seen it, that Broad City episode on the witches? No. What is that? Oh my God. Oh, I don't want to spoil it for you, but Broad City, uh, Broad City is a, it's a TV show uh, that's on comedy central and uh, they have some, really biting social commentary, but there was one about uh, witches and one of the characters is worried about getting old and she's found a gray hair and she's very upset about it. And the other one is like, uh, Alana's like, yeah, you found a gray hair. This is great. And all of these women and you're powerful. And uh, she goes to try and sell stuff out, I think in front of New York Public Library um, and sort of sees her future with all of with, with another old woman artist who's trying to see, see stuff and she gets freaked out and goes and has some failed, uh, failed Botox or failed plastic surgery type work. And then, uh, there ends up being this, this flash through of all the witches in the universe. And it's just 
I mean, Hillary Clinton. Uh, <laughs> it's basically like a name, name your Oprah, name your public figure that's over 50. Um, and, and then they all end up sort of dancing in the woods as witches. <laughs> I have to watch this. That's so fun. Uh, it's a it's a fun take on it, but I'm I'm okay with the term too. Yeah, and if you know part of it, some of the things she was doing, I was like, okay, this is really terrifying. But it was so healing. I could feel it working. Like certain parts of my body would just twitch. I felt like things were like literally coming out of me. It was just crazy that I was like all in. I was like, this is this is something that everyone needs to feel. Of like, if you are emotionally stuck or physically stuck or in your business stuck, there's a reason for it. Like it's so much more than just numbers on a page and kind of what, you know, it's really great to combine those worlds. So you should check it out. I I will. Her name's Shelly. Shelly? Shelly. Yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll check it out because I just said my, the, I, I don't regularly get a massage as much as I should, but I, I do from time to time. And this woman that I go to is wonderful and she's going to be on walkabout for four months. So I'm not going to get to see her. And I said, I can't go and get a massage from somebody else because you are the gold standard. No one lives up to how good she is. It's always disappointing. So I need to find some other kind of body work. Have you been to Mark? I don't know. Joe Nick? No. I think Laura might've been, he's been on my podcast before. He is the only person, he's my gold standard and he's on York and Colfax. So oh, that's where she is too. Oh, on the Chinese medicine. Yeah, he's on the top floor. Okay, well, it, she might have referenced him then because she said there was another. He's the he, one. He's my go-to. I've got to him. Is for a massage? Six years. It's trigger point. Oh myofascial. yeah, myofascial release. Yes. She is the one. So the um, woman I go to, Kirsten, uh, I'm pretty sure she recommended him go. last night. He's incredible. Yeah, I yeah he's. The only person that I go to, but I'll switch. I'll try hers too. Oh man, she's and she is awesome. She's the most winningest um, Xterra Games athlete ever. She has so many Xterra wins on her resume that she just has a line multiple Xterra wins. She's she's this crazy good athlete. She I was, admire people that can do those kind of races. Yeah, trail trail races, running. She's always. You know, like, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, you know, just hiked 15, 14ers and skied backcountry. <laughs> I love it. Are you a skier, by the way? I, I am, but not one, not one you want to be associated with. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very slow. It's slow going. That's you know, okay. I'm, I'm enjoying the trees and the nature. That's what it's there for. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I'm not hardcore. You bored, right? I bored. Yeah. yeah. And I... I went through a stage of like, if I'm not going to Not be, that there's anything wrong with oh, that. No. <laughs> if I'm not going to be, uh, you know, Gretchen Bleeler, uh, Hannah, wow, shoot, I already forgot her name. My friend's girlfriend. Oh man, I forgot. But I was like half pipe or nothing. I want to work to like be able to do 360s. And I finally just got rid of it. I was like, why am I so competitive about everything in my life? Just enjoy something. Pick a hobby and enjoy it. Because that's the hardest thing for me is picking a hobby and not wanting to be incredible at it. I can't like with CrossFit. It's so hard for me to go to a CrossFit gym and not just turn it on. So I've been working on that, that balance piece, which is very hard, but I have gotten a little bit better at it. Yeah. That is, that is hard. (laughs) Um, Is there anything else you want to talk about, you know, just for people that I think for you, you're just an inspiring person in general. A lot of my people, you know, they all have this amazing passion and desire and creativity or just what you said earlier, want to help people. Uh, what would be your advice to someone that's, you know, they kind of have their job. They're not really sure their job is something they can get rid of. But um, for people that just want a little bit more oomph to their life. Oh, man, I would say not be afraid of failure, not make, not make decisions based in fear. And then, uh, you know, the corollary to that is practice taking risk because I think especially for women, um, there's, there's some degree where you have been trained 
to not be a risk taker and where you've been trained, where you've got to get the A, you've got to go to the top school, you've got to get the best job, you've got to be a high performer in your job. And there's, you know, a certain extent that, that the people who, who do that don't end up reaping these massive rewards because, uh, it's not rewarded in the same way, at least in the corporate world or, um, you know, in maybe even in government, but, you know, being able, I mean, first off, if, if you're making a decision because you're afraid of something, I'm okay with not doing anything, you know, sitting and being still and waiting. But if you keep coming back to, I can't do that because I'm afraid of failure, you, you gotta get used to being afraid, like just fail, you know, pick something. I did this, I, I noticed that I had, that I had developed this and I went out of my way to find opportunities to fail. And I swear that's one of the best things that I've, uh, the best gift I've ever given myself. What can you give us me an example? Yeah. So I just, I set out to do things that I know I would be terrible at CrossFit, uh, running, you know, all of these things I like, I'm going to run a marathon. I never run a marathon. I'm just going to try. I mean, I sort of try everything incrementally and a smidge my tagline could be a smidge harder every time, just a little bit more effort each time. And, you know, within CrossFit, like trying, trying to climb a rope, yeah. trying to do a pull up, you know, trying to do a muscle up, which I need to try and learn how to do, but I haven't. But, you know, try, try and because I think that's safe risk. You know, you, you sort of go out, you have an opportunity to fail, you know, you might fail massively. That's okay. If you fail massively, the risks aren't terribly high. You're not going to be out on the street. I did a, I did a writing course. I've done a sort of little screenwriting course. I mean, just stuff that you, yeah, I mean, I can't even think because there were so many, but there was about two. When I, when I knew I wanted to leave the law firm and I identified I'm really afraid of failure, and I had to change that. I went through this two-year period where I went seeking ways to fail. And I just got used to it. And I was like, oh, look at me. And I, I mean, I named my company Tuck and Roll for a reason. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, it's true because it's not even that you get used to the failure. You just get used to your bounce back. Yeah, you you're okay with it. I mean, okay. you realize, okay, so I went up. I tried to climb that rope and I couldn't. You either learn oh, I could climb the rope or I could climb higher than what I thought. Or, you know, I didn't make it. So I made an ass of myself. Big deal. Uh -huh. I can try it again. And I think you learn, okay, well, I don't have the skills to do that right now. So I need to start lying on the ground and doing the one or two pulls to get to upright. Uh -huh. You know, you can, you can break it down. But I think if you give yourself an opportunity, if you put yourself in a position where you're doing stuff that's scary, learning a new language, I mean, driving home a different way or going to a restaurant or ordering in a foreign language, like whatever the thing is, um, you sort of get used to it and it's not as horrible. And then once you realize it's not as horrible, then you're in a position to go, yeah, I really hate my job. This is not right for me and I need to do something else. And you can shut down that voice that goes, well, what if you can't produce a movie or what if you can't, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. The thing is, and I thought, okay, well, if I can't, then I'll go back and be, I'll be a paralegal. I can always be the world's best paralegal. Yeah. But you did it. I didn't. I made a movie. <laughs> you made a movie. You did Ooh. shit that scares you. It's I know. perfect. I know. Uh, you are so my tribe, Amanda Upson. I'm so Aww. glad that you were able to come on this podcast, especially in person. That's so, it's so much more fun. Oh what man, yeah, no Zoom. kidding. <laughs> and then I can make you espresso. Yeah, if your adrenals are feeling okay. I know you're gonna check them first. So though. the tea, I'll have to. Do you like tea? I love tea. Okay, cool. It should be here. It said they said Friday, but I believe it's probably gonna be Monday. Okay, so I'll let you know. Okay, I can't wait for that. Um, yeah, any parting words? Where can people find you in the movie we already talked about? Oh, the movie is yeah. Magnum Opus. Um, please uh, rent it from iTunes or, or buy it from Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, insert your favorite streaming provider. Um, please follow us on social at Magnum Opus Movie on Facebook and Twitter. Um, you know... Your Twitter is good. What's your Twitter? Oh. I love your Twitter. 
Oh, I don't know if that's public. Oh, okay. I don't know if I'm, I'm afraid of failure. (laughs) I'm afraid of failure. (laughs) I don't know. You just always tweet relevant things. I relevant and both absurd. I I will tell you, I get, I don't know if I'm ready to release my personal Twitter yet, but, um, I do, I, it's, it's there for current events and for puns for me because I have this, uh, I have this need to pun all day long and you can find the puns on Twitter there. It's just like setup after setup. Um, and I can't stop myself. And I made, there was, there was one on, uh, hashtag law Twitter has them, uh, sometimes, which you know, isn't good to follow unless you're, unless you're an attorney, but, um, there, I made a joke about Shakira and HIPAA law uh, that that got shared a fair amount. It was pretty funny. <laughs> so no Twitter, no. We don't get all we enlightened by your Twitter, not yet. No, not okay. yet. Let us but know. But a magnum opus movie. Okay, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I, I try, and I can't make too many pun jokes on there because yeah, it's not gotta online. Keep it, gotta keep it. Yeah, uh, relevant. Well, thank you for being on. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. All my listeners, I will see you guys next Wednesday. And I'm not sure when this is airing, but if it happens to air around Christmas and I don't talk to you before then, happy, happy holidays and Merry Christmas. How did I forget the most important question? I don't know if you're ready for this. I don't know that I'm playing right, but I think it's a toy poodle. (laughs) Because, and... I came up with it as a joke. I happen to have a toy poodle, but also because they're little tiny animals. The toys are very sturdy, despite their small size, and they're also not afraid of big dogs. They're not afraid to bite off more than they can chew. They still like to play, but they don't mind getting their hair done every six weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Or being cuddled sometimes. Or being cuddled. Uh, And... Uh, they will always take on a way bigger dog that they have no business taking on. And I thought, yeah, I think it's just cool. Did you see a toy poodle and you had to say? No, I was just trying. I was going to CrossFit this morning. And I was trying to think she's going to ask me about my spirit animals. I have no idea what my spirit. I mean, there are lots of animals that I like. Octopus. I love giant clams. I love marine mammals. Uh Sharks, there's a whole bunch of, but I don't really understand the spirit animal, but I think I do align very well, well with the toy poodle. Oh, yeah. Do they count plants as male? Yeah. I don't know if they know what plants are. I know that just Oh my gosh, you should look up, they're the most, clams and squid both do the state. Giant clams, they sit right next to each other and they have this bioluminescence um, along the little muscular area at the top which I don't know the technical name for that right now it's not coming to my head but they will light up with this bioluminescence and in unison squid do the same thing where they're different organisms but together they will appear and sometimes they appear to communicate like it's going back and forth and then if they feel threatened or frightened same time same thing same response no matter if you're uh at one that's a little bit farther away from the rest of them, the whole line of them will light up in exactly the same way. Yeah. I think I think we're the same way. We just I can't imagine that every you know that a whole herd of animals uh, can change direction together simultaneously, um, and all, all all animals do this, and I can't somehow think that we're all that different because you I mean I think we've evolved to forget it but anyway toy poodle toy poodle great answer I love it (laughs) hi my name is Shay and I did the 21 days with uh M quite a few times and I just love the challenge because I think the 21 days is very obtainable for anybody to try it. I think it gives a lot of information, a lot of information in the 21 days. And I just think it really helps you get to know your body better and what it's capable of. So I really just try to, anybody who's looking for a new program, I definitely refer them to the 21 day challenges that M offers because I personally love them. And I know that they got me started on my 
fitness journey and make me feel like I can do anything. And I've lost over 30 pounds from doing them. So I really do love them. And I just think that because she does them every couple months, it really helps you get re-motivated if for whatever reason you just, you fall off the wagon, which I know happens to a lot of people because we're human, but I do love the programs. I think it's so much information. I love how everyone is a little bit different. So I just learn a little bit more and I can just tell how passionate she is in the videos and how much she cares. And I love the daily emails because that's what keeps me accountable. It reminds me first thing when I wake up in the morning, like this is what we're doing today. So I just want to say thank you for the challenges and I love them.